Hey, welcome back to another episode of Selena's Underground Podcast. It is March 21st. I am Oz, and this is a slightly different episode than before. Cujo gets the day off today, and I'm just going to use this time as an introduction to this interview and to this episode, uh, which has been a really long time coming, and it's already one of, one of my all-time favorite interviews. Um, but anyway, welcome back again to Salinas Underground Podcast. I am Oz. Like I said, Cujo is out in the world enjoying himself. Um, and yeah, so I, I just wanted uh, to introduce the, this interview. And like I said uh, prior, this, is, this interview has been a while. If you've been with us, uh, you know you know that we went to Stanford at one point. We went to go interview at uh, a guy named Macho Ornelas and Roberto Trujillo, who were, they're doing this big project on Bracero Legacy. Again, Bracero was, was the guest worker program instituted by the United States government during World War II. And then for a lot of years after that, that brought in guest workers from Mexico legally to work the fields. Um, and they were still Mexican nationals. And and yeah, and so being in the Salinas Valley, that program has deep, deep roots in here, which had deep roots. Um, so anyway, it was a, it's a neat, pro, neat project that Nacho's working on. But the, through interviewing Nacho, we met another guy at Stanford from Salinas. It has nothing to do with this project. He's actually a bioengineering fucking graduate student or something. This dude is, is amazing. Um, but anyway, before we go any further, I do want... To make sure that I I ask everybody as like I do when I start all the shows to please follow us on the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat at Selena's Podcast. We're on all of those. Facebook as well. I know it's fucking what a hashtag delete Facebook. Well, before you do, give us a fucking like. I don't know if it stays after you delete it, but it'll sure help us out. Also, if you do go to our Facebook page, which I guess we got to switch this one now. But if you do go to our Facebook page, at the top of the of the page there, you know, you could sticky posts and, you know, it always stays at the top. Well, we have a post, a sticky post there with an Amazon link, and that is our Amazon affiliate link. If you click on that and you shop on Amazon, a little bit of whatever you spend comes back to us. Nothing, you know, they don't charge you anymore. They don't charge you any less, unfortunately, but they do give us a little bit of kickback, and that's a cool little way if you want to help the podcast out, you know, you do your, your shopping like you regularly do. You just make sure you hit that link. Again, go to our Facebook page. I got a sticky link up there and just hit that link. And whenever you hit that link, just bookmark that shit. Control D. Every time you want to go, click that thing. Use our link. Help the podcast out. It's been four years about talking about Selena's and, and it's only getting better. We're, this year, we're we have so many, you know, bigger plans and all that. But anyway, that get involved that way. You know, you reach out to us, tell us about events, tell us about cool guests you want us to reach out to, and also click on that link, baby. It's real easy. It's real easy. You get free episodes, free episodes every week in your ear, in your pocket, wherever you listen. They come into you free. They come into you free. All we do is we ask if you could just click on that. Click on that affiliate link whenever you shop on Amazon, and it really helps us out. All right, now we got that business part out of the way. Let me get back into this Rolando uh, Rolando Cruz is uh, probably what he goes by. 
But uh, anyway, Rolando Cruz is one of these amazing Selena stories. Literally, well, not literally, but figuratively, the reason why we started this. We, you know, we and Cujo started Selena and Pozole way back in the day. What up, Pozole? Um, way back, you know, four years ago. Yeah, dude, we're about a month. We're a month away from four years now. Uh, we started this podcast because it was just frustrating to hear people describe our town and talk about our town a certain way. And a lot of these people either weren't from here or they were just misguided. You know, they 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 were from here and, and they fell for everyone saying that it's a it's a shitty, crappy town. And don't dude, it's not a big metropolis with a million things, but it's our home. It's our home and it and it's a great place to live. Follow if you follow us on the social medias, you know I'm huge on the scenery. Um, I, I'm not a huge traveler, but I've traveled enough to know that it is not normal to have 3,000 plus foot mountains on either side of your city and a, a ocean 10 miles away. We we really live in a in a truly special place, and but it's a city, man. It's a city, and and there's problems, and it's a city on the California coast which it which adds its own problems to it. So so yeah, we we don't come on and say, "Oh man, this is fucking Disneyland, everyone should be here." Salinas is just another town, man. It's just another town trying to figure out its way, and it's full of people that are also trying to figure out their way. Most of them doing really cool shit, you know? Most of them really doing some cool ass stuff. And that's where we come in that we felt that this for whatever reason you know, was this story wasn't good and told, but now we have the ability to tell these stories. And before I go any further and bore the fuck out of you and you turn off, let me just quickly preface this. Okay, Rolando Cruz, this is this is the Selena story. We're not saying this is typical. Uh, a bioengineering graduate student that, gra- that graduated on probation and got kicked out of the Air Force. Not traditional. OK, not a very traditional <laughs> uh selena's story but one but a selena story it's still a true selena story and there's a lot this is what we try to show is this is the behind the scenes of people trying to do stuff when you see these really cool projects either succeed or not succeed these are the people that are trying these are the people that are doing things and we want to bring these stories to you and hopefully you know help help this project again rolando has a really neat story he's a bioengineering doctoral candidate at stanford he's uh, 33 years old he's you know he's a young cat and and he's really wanting to come back and do something huge i don't know how much we got into it he has such an awesome story that that the interview you know his story takes up a bulk of the interview but he he really has this idea to create this this makerspace in Old Town on the east side, wherever, somewhere in Salinas. But a makerspace that's available to the community, that's available to everybody, you, irrespective of of financial situation, of of past criminal record, of whatever it might be. This is a space where everybody can come learn, come play with a, a you know in a laboratory situation. Obviously, if people you know be trained, we're not going to just give people chemicals and stuff and let them go at it but this is it's a really neat idea and and i really hope you you get something out of it and at the very least please listen to this story 
this is an amazing story and and it's a total selena story and this is this is what this town is mostly made out of is again a, a bioengineering graduate student that's that's pretty rare but what this town really is is full of people that really want to help this community want to make this community different you know and that does include not just us not just the, the business owners all over town not just the regular workers all over town but all of us combined together man we're all trying to do this and anyway just listen to this story it's it's an amazing story i'm sure you're gonna love it please give us any feedback that you think about it if you want to reach out to rolando reach out to us we'll get you in contact with him whatever ideas you have let's do this man we can't we only got us you know let's just band together Let's cut the bullshit out and let's let's work to do some amazing shit. But anyway, here goes the interview. You're going to love it. Yo, 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 what's up? We're sitting here with Rolando from Stanford. Out. <laughs> we This is interesting because we brought you up a long time ago on the podcast. Uh, we, went, we went to Stanford, actually. That's where we met you when we, we interviewed... Um, Roberto Trujillo and Nacho Ornella's up there, and we didn't interview you, but but we met you while we were out there hanging out, and you had an amazing story as well. We instantly, you know, made a connection, and I've always wanted to get you on the show first to tell your story and also to explain a bit of what you're doing. So, I mean, really quickly, it can you know explain you know your story. You're from Salinas, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, it's a privilege to be here. Um, so, yeah, I was born and raised in, in Salinas, um, uh, 1984. My parents are from Mexico. Um, my dad uh, is from Sinaloa. My mom's from Tamaulipas. Um, came here when they were uh, um, about 10 and 12. They had me when I was, uh, when they were uh, 17 and 19. Uh, they went to Alisao. And Okay. So uh, they worked in the fields. My grandparents worked in the fields. Um, but then my parents ended up um, graduating high school, going to Cajarnell uh, Community College for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, my story starts out uh, just kind of bouncing around uh, from the north side, east side, and south side, different schools. And I just grew up completely all over Salinas. Yeah. Uh, most of my time, though, my grandparents, most of my time was spent in the east side. Um, like. Um, East Laurel, Tout Street, um, what that dude, Bellhaven. That's where I was. Uh, the Laurel between Tout and, and Sanborn. Yeah, then yeah. fifteen, right? That pocket park, right across the street. Oh yeah. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's uh. So I was right there um, on the corner houses at at uh, Laurel and Tout, and oh, at the no, light, I you know, know exactly it, was, that it was like the little little house with the you know, the iron gate kind of thing. Yeah. On the, the opposite of that one. Grew up right there. It was a. It was a uh, a two-bedroom house, and sometimes, you know, I remember Fremont? I went to Fremont, Fremont yeah, Elementary, yeah, yeah Fremont back too. in the day. Fremont Falcons, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back when they had the wooden, the two-story yeah, yeah, structure. Yeah, yeah, I remember they had this, like, uh, kindergarten sandbox, I remember to this yeah, day. Yeah, the barrels. With, right? Yeah, exactly, and then they had, like, it was like a dinosaur, <laughs> cement dinosaur we used to climb in, but... Dude. Yes, it, it, you know. So I grew up on the east side yeah. most of my most of my life, raised by my grandparents mostly. You know, yeah. parents worked all the time, and um, so I went to Fremont. Uh, I went to Cammon School too. My parents, my my oh, parents man. always, you know, my first my first place, the first um, home. Uh, my parents that my parents lived had it on their own, and uh, when I was born was a um, 
uh, a trailer home in Baranda. So my, we we're technically I was born out. I'm from Baranda yeah. originally because I, I was, that was our first home. They brought me home from the hospital and like, it was a trailer. <laughs> well, you know, it's a less long story, but it comes back and it comes back later in my life. It, and and uh, so you know, I, this 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 trailer home was out outside of the the recycle center there, and it was in a ditch, and so. It was, it, you know, I, I remember going back when I was like 10 or something. My dad brought me back there one day and showed me this, the trailer we used to live in, like in the ditch, like kind of it would slid in a little more because it was years after, you know. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's just, you know, crazy to when your parents bring you back to the yeah. kinds of struggles they were going through, you know, 17, 19 with a, with a young baby living in a trailer in a ditch, you know. And at that um, point, only like seven years in the country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, exactly. And they had, I mean, they assimilated quick. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't want to teach me uh, any Spanish or really. There's, I learned, I learned Spanish from my grandparents, you know, mostly, and yeah. so they brought me up very in line with like trying to assimilate, trying to be as uh, as American. Is that as why possible. they went to college? Um, so they, my dad ended up going to Hartnell. My mother, she graduated high school and took like a couple classes at Hartnell. But never finished. My dad ended up getting his uh, AS, AS in drafting, so he oh, went to Hartnell. He got a drafting degree, and then that like got him onto some different jobs outside of the, the you know the uh, regular opportunity structures that people have here usually tend to go through. And did they push you to go to college? Because again, as we go along your story, you, yeah. you obviously ended up at Stanford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so did they push you to go to college, or is that something that you just? Just some drive, because I mean, you nah. do bioengineering, right? Yeah. It's not drafting. So. No, nah, absolutely. They uh, every day it was uh, it was told to me that I had to go to to go to school. Uh, you know, like yeah. it was always uh, my mother. I remember she, you know, she only had high school degree, but 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 uh, diploma. But she would help me with my homework all the way up through uh, um, all the way in high school, right? She would help me with my my math homework, and she'd be there at night helping me with my homework, but. It was always told me, told to me that you know I had to go to school. I was going to school, even they didn't, they didn't understand what that meant. You know, they don't know what they didn't know what going to college or university meant. Um, oh, yeah. And so, uh, they they wanted me to go. They always pressured me to go, but um, there was really no like, oh, you should go do this or go apply for an internship or go, you know, talk to this person or this dean or nothing like that. You know. And and again, I don't want to get into it, but to me, I'm I'm currently trying you know, to get a business going, and I, I find that same deal is you know you, you try to find the support essence, and it's not it's not there, and it, it's interesting. Again, being from Salinas is is like damn, some cities are so established with that, you know, like. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I want to go to college. And it's like, oh, there's eight organizations in town, yeah, you know, yeah. that teach you how to fill out an application or do an interview or, or this and that. Um, but how did, so did you go straight from high school to Stanford? Or how no. did you, yeah. so you, you, and you went to Allison? I went to Salinas High. Salinas High. Yeah, so I ended up uh, going to uh, Washington Middle School and then, um, well, started at Gavilan, then went to Washington Middle School, and then I ended up at Salinas High, graduated there. Um, when I walked the line, I was on house arrest, so I had a bracelet on. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was I barely graduated. Um, a lot of my friends didn't, you know. Obviously, yeah. it's like the run of the mill. And um, so I was very fortunate in that my parents were always there trying to, you know, pressure me and instill in me that I had to graduate. I had to get, get through high school at the very least. Yeah. And so I did that. And then I ended up signing up for the military. You know, the, the, the time is like my opportunity structure was 
either go to the military or that was that was to me i looked at that as like the way out you know like the, yeah. the, the ticket to like a way better life yeah. i mean college was always like nah i'm not smart enough for that you know i'm not gonna spend my time it's too too much time and so i ended up going to the military uh i ended up i was signed up for the marine corps because 9-11 had just happened so i was yeah. like at the time f fully gung-ho america yeah. so i was like i'm gonna go go to war defend my country um then over the course of a year my my parents talked me out of it. I was signed up to go to infantry. Um, we were also going to go straight yeah, to Afghanistan, yeah. you know. Um, and my parents, uh, my mother mostly talked me out of it and, and asked me to go and talk to the Air Force recruiter the, the day before I was supposed to ship out to uh, to the Marine Corps, my, my shipping date. So I went over and I was like, all right, fine. You know, she just she's kept on you know asking me and pleading with me. And so finally I went and... He, and uh, talked to the Air Force person, and they're like, oh, you scored this, you know, scored pretty high in your ASVAB. Like, yeah. you're going to be infantry. It's like, you can be anything <laughs> you want. I'm like, oh, really? Like, I just thought I was going to go and shoot guns, you know, yeah. and that's what I'm going to do and be a, a hard ass. And um, uh, they ended up taking me in. So I told the Air Force, a Marine person, a Marine Corps recruiter that I wasn't going. Uh, the Air dude. Force guy was like, yeah, let's go. So I went to the Air Force. Um, long story short, I spent about two years there. Um, I had a problem with drinking, you know, I, I grew up drinking very young age, yeah. 11 years old was the first time I got drunk. So, um, I had a problem, developed a problem with drinking. And at the time I was only 19 when I was 18, 19 in the military and air force is a bit more strict, a bit more professional. Yeah. So they, uh, they, you know, I got in trouble a couple of times, DUI and they ended up uh, kicking me out. So I got kicked out. Um, I ended up, uh, moving down to LA. Didn't have anything in my, I had like $500 in my can't yeah. bank account, nowhere to go. I went to LA because I had a buddy that lived down there and he was a cop at the time and he used to be in the Marines. And so we connected really good. And I didn't want to come to Salinas because, I mean, I felt like if I would have come back to Salinas at the time, I felt it was, I mean, I was just going to fall back into yeah. the life that, that I was leading before. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I ended up down there. Um, and then uh, I, I, I mean, I got really into um, into my my alcoholism at the time, and I moved up from like, working in the file file cabinet as a file clerk for a accounting firm, like take, taking staples out of out of files, you know. So in the Air Force, I was a jet mechanic fixing like multi million dollar planes, yeah. signing off on maintenance, you know, with people's lives that depended on my signature. Yeah. And then I went and I was like, got kicked out and I was bagging groceries at a Vallarta, you know? Yeah. My first job after the military. And then I got a job pulling staples out of files. And I mean I just always had this like my parent, my dad, my mom, they always like had instilled this like upstart in me. Even though I was rebellious, you know, they always like it's like a, a sense of restlessness. And so I I started learning things. They taught me more stuff, and I moved my way up in this firm. Um, they wanted to send me to school to be an accountant. Uh, I didn't want to do that, so yeah. I decided that I was going to come back to Salinas to finish my training for a mechanic, to be an air, aircraft mechanic. Yeah. Um, it was a school in, in Hollister that I was going to go to. I came back. My, my dad was the only one that would let me live in his house because they already knew my history. And so he said, you can come stay in my house, but you can't leave at all. You cannot go anywhere. You can't have no friends. You can only go to school. Yeah. You can only do that. I'm a 24-year-old man at the time, you know? Yeah. And so... Damn. Coming back home. Coming back you. home, my dad's oh. garage, you know? And and so that was it. I did that for about a year. And it didn't last. You know, I got... Again, I, I was at Blockbuster one day, and I had been doing good. And I was, like, you know, still drinking at the time, and I was still, like, doing my... Much, like unhealthy things in myself my my dad's my you know 
at, at my dad's house and whatever. But uh, I I ended up uh, running into some some old friends. You know, I got sucked back into the life. Yeah. Soon that after that, I left the house, and things started spiraling down for like another two years. I was in Salinas, just living in an abandoned home. You know, just uh, with a bunch of other with a bunch of other people, just uh, just. Trying to make trying to make ends meet, doing things that uh, I wasn't so proud of, uh, you know. So then, um, I ended up uh, one day uh, had a I had a, a couple a couple life altering experiences. I mean, I had been shot at before, you know, pulled guns on me before, yeah. but I just had this one instance where, um, you know, I was uh, we were at this this house I stayed at, and we had these these homies over. They were playing poker. And um, there was an argument, and I don't know. I was in the living room. I don't really understand. I didn't really get to what the argument was going down. But uh, one dude left, and at the end of the night, three o'clock in the morning, you know, shutting everybody out of my house because we had a party. And I, I'm first out the door, and I look out to the street, and um, and there's a you know silhouette of a person right there under the street light, and I hear click, 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 click. You know, yeah. the person's arm was raised up. And I realized this person was you know trying was pulling the trigger on a on a weapon, was trying to fire, and for some reason the firing pin was jammed or whatever. Yeah. I don't know why that person was like 30, 40 feet away from me, point blank. You know, they yeah. had me dead the rights, and um, and so. I yelled, gun, gun, everybody scattered, and dude took off, and after that, I, you know, the house got raided, and the next, next couple of days, and I was on, my, on the street, my grandparents were like, you know, you got nowhere else to go, you can come stay at our house, but if you come to our house, you have to go to school, and uh, that was in 2009, and uh, I decided that um, I was going to take them up on the offer, and so I uh, started at Harnell, did a semester, then I decided I was going to quit drinking. I went to. I was going to Sun Street Counseling because I had gotten a second DUI. Yeah. So I got some. I got some. Uh, some really valuable tools from a, a, an amazing counselor there named Catherine, and she. Um, she. You know, she taught me some things that saved my life. You know, just yeah. how to how to how to go about being a a, a, a citizen, a person that that was healthy, or uh, start on that path, and um, and I ended up uh, going to Hartnell, and then Hartnell to UC Santa Cruz, and. So UC Santa Cruz to uh, to to Stanford, and I I did like four years at Harnell, so I had to like redo high school. Yeah, and then ended up at Santa Cruz and UC Stanford. And at, well, when you were at Harnell, that seems like at some point you must have then decided to go down this bioengineering journey. Yeah. And how did that come about? Yeah, because uh, my English class, my first class, I was like, I'm 25 now. What am I gonna do? I don't even know what I'm gonna study. I just know I'm going to school. I was I had no felonies. And I was in good health, and so it was like, what am I gonna do? I need to pay bills. I need. I got a family. I got families. You know, my fa my extended family, my immediate family. I didn't have a family of my own, but yeah. you know, people are depending on me. So um, I started looking around, googling things, and then you know, I had heard about electrical engineering. I was like, that's too hard. It's way too hard. I'm not smart enough for that. Doctor, no way. You know. <laughs> Um, and I was like mechanical engineer, maybe you know my dad always wanted me, wanted me to be an engineer, but you never, I never wanted to do what my dad wanted me to do. Yeah. So you know I'm looking around, and I look at bioengineering. I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know, making prosthetics or making pharmaceutical drugs is cool. Um, and then I was frustrated, so I, one day I just went home and I'm writing this paper, trying to write this report for my English class, my first class ever, back or first class back, and um, in college, and and I, I went home to Google two words that I just figured like I, I wasn't gonna find anything. I was so desperate, I was like, I'm gonna Google two words that don't even go together. So I Googled synthetic and biology because I had been like reading about bioengineering at the time. Yeah. 
And then out popped like a video of a, of a person sitting in the office next to a whiteboard. They were talking about what synthetic biology is and what it means to put the engineering and genetic engineering. And then they started talking about, you know, circuits and math and modeling genes and writing genes into programs and putting them in cells to program them to, you know, clean air and clean water yeah. and make better food that's more nutritious and, you know, growing food and, and dirt that has high salts or with less water, you know, things like that, going yeah. to Mars. And I was, I was hooked. That was hooked. And so after that, I... Uh, because none of that existed at Harnell, I just had to take all the classes, and I took all the, all the math classes, all the engineering classes, just to just to get your your degree enough to go to a school that really taught the. Yeah, even at Santa Cruz, no one even taught that. So yeah. like, I had to like, I went to Santa Cruz, taught, uh, studied uh, biomolecular engineering. So they taught me there how to um, how to engineer proteins and and DNA at the at the atomic level. So we looked. You can make a protein structure and take pictures of proteins with, with uh, really high magnification uh, X-ray uh, microscopes, and um, they taught me how to manipulate DNA to have different changes inside of a cell. And so, I learned I learned that I worked on some cancer therapies. Uh, um, at the time, my grandparents, well, in 2014, both of my grandfathers passed away from um, um, lymphoma. Um, and metastatic cancer, so they had cancers of the blood. Yeah. And I was working on the, on a, on some devices that would help people uh, treat that and uh, diagnose it. And so I was working on several different projects, but at the whole time, not really working on the thing that I wanted, that I was hoping to in the end. Um, and it turned into me, into or it turned into a, uh, um, a like a a passion of uh, of of justice for me, of equity, um, um, because. I would, I'd gone to this conference um, uh, when I, I did an internship at Harnell, and after that internship, I um, was fortunate enough to be added on as a co-author on a publication in the scientific journal for the work that I did over the summer. Yeah. And um, because of that, I was able to apply to, to this conference, and uh, I got a travel scholarship to go to this conference, and it was in Washington, Washington State. Yeah. Um, and it was a, a conference. The now it's called the National Diversity Conference in Science. Um, but at the time, it was just put on. It was put on by this organization called the Society for the Advancement of Chicanos and Native Americans in Science. It's an old organization oh, wow. that um, that is uh, um, it's truly amazing. Truly, yeah. fundamentally changed the way that my worldview. It like had it had a, a immense impact on my identity and who I am today. Um, you go to this place, and during the daytime, you know, you go to you you present your poster on your scientific research, or you give a talk, and you're going to talks, and then at night they have a powwow. Or you know, oh, during the day, there you're walking around, and there's you know, dream catchers everywhere. There's culture and art, art, yeah. Mayan art everywhere, next to the scientific posters and the talks, yeah. and the professional development centers. And then at night, you go to the the pachanga where they're playing salsa and everybody's yeah. dancing. You know, it's completely different, man. It's completely different feel. Yeah. Um, and so that informed me, and I saw bioengineering, since uh, specifically synthetic biology, and the prospect of programming cells as this very powerful thing. Yeah. And I had taken an ethnic studies class at Harnell at the t same time I'm learning all this stuff. And it really made sense to me in the power of technology and the power of technology to oppress or to enfranchise or disenfranchise people yeah. and, and communities was, is, is, was, was just, you know, is very strong and apparent. So I, I viewed me going and learning synthetic biology and how to, and, and how to control the technology and being a franchise in technology as a, as an act of, uh, 
as an act of uh, as an activist act, you know, as, a, as an act of civil disobedience. You yeah, know? it was a it was a it was a civil rights thing for me, and it's been it still is. You know, that's why I'm back here today. Yeah, no, dude. So, and it, even when you meet up with these scientists, uh, the Native American ones, are how many bioengineers are there? Not none at all, man. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That, that to me, it, it, it's what that is is critical. It, it, I. I was one time. It got me thinking. What the thinking? How there's no Native American restaurants. Yeah. And I, 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 I was thinking about that. Like, yeah. Like you know what, dude? There's there's Italian restaurants and there's even Irish pubs. You know. Yeah. And, and all this thing, and it's like, I've never been to a, a, a Native American restaurant. That's right. What, what would that even be? And then you start thinking, like, holy shit! Like that culture, where you, you're completely. You know, taken away from from that, or or the the, the Latinization. You know, yeah. everything that's fancy's got, yeah. got like again columns or, yep. or or you know college loves to use Latin. And yep. It's like, are you kidding? Like yep. the Mayan was some of the most advanced civilizations that's out right. there, and we're living in in that same land. Like, why are we ignoring that? Yeah, you know, why, right. yeah. You know, it, it blows my mind. So I love to hear that there are people that are combining the two. Like, dude, it's so it's so you know you don't have to completely. Again, and I don't mean to use these terms, but Europeanize yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In order to fit in and and to enact change. Uh, absolutely. And uh, so yeah, so that's why I, to me, kind of got this feeling the first time we talked. So I was like, man, this guy, interesting story, and we got to get him. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I've always I've wanted to be on the show for a while, man. It's uh, ever since I heard of it. I, it's, it's. I think what you guys are doing amazing. I think you guys are doing amazing things, and it's you guys are providing a voice that, like, I mean, pro you know, it, 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 it doesn't exist, you know. And so. Well, I love that other podcasts have seen, since come up, and it seems that they're almost kind of frustrated as oh, they're not talking about this. Some yeah. people do it, and and as much as I would love to talk about everything. I love that we can actually motivate people to, you know, and to show people. I mean, right now we're we're, we're sitting in a sandbox yeah. with just a couple of mics and a recorder, and that's, right. and that's what it is, you know. That's yep. what it is, and and we're, and we're really really disrupting things. Um, but anyway, I, before we get to, I want to. You're working on a project, right? Yeah. I don't know how much you're working on or how much you want to get into. No, no, it, I, we talked about that it. We know about your history. I wanted. Yeah. To so I mean, like, I'm just project. trying to make things happen. Like, I got. Uh, I'm trying to just just make things happen to me if, if i get credit for things it doesn't matter like i'm just yeah. speaking out ideas just open just transparent just giving them out because then movements need to need to happen now you know there's a sense of urgency um time back into like we had said about not having any native american restaurants you know you think about farm to table and about the cuisine native american cuisine and the, the knowledge that was lost and how it's being revamped you know how how cuisine is being revamped today to reflect some to reflect something that may have existed before yeah and it could be used you could use if uh, uh this 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 surge or mur ur urge mur uh, this uh trend to move towards like a farm table or these kinds of new cuisines to enfranchise these folks that have been forgotten and left behind because you know a lot of these things are derivative derivatized of these old practices yeah um for instance um, so I'm working on a project right now. We're trying to get a, a nonprofit started, a bunch of stakeholders, really grassroots community effort um, to change the power and wealth structure. Um, we want to do is uh, diversify the economy and at the same time enfranchise uh, disenfranchised communities. 
Um, and so there's a multiple things. Uh, it's an intersectional pro project, right? You have to speak to people's identity and build up identity and build up um, um, some some political and and economic power over time. Yeah. Um, uh, right now we call it Chinampa Labs, um, and it's a space where the Salinas Valley uh, community can explore, create, and innovate with biology. And Chinampas are the, that's where the Aztecs... That's right, we'll talk about them in a second. Those islands yeah, we'll, so, we'll talk okay. about them in a second. So uh, I'll, I'll share these with you as, uh, at some point, but, uh, you know, so this is a story about courage and connection, and the leading, the leading uh, scientific, Western scientific studies have shown that, you know, migration patterns out of Africa have gave rise to basically um, everyone across the planet. And we're in some way or shape or form, we're all connected. And people migrated out of Africa into the Indian subcontinent, into Polynesia, and then you know, over into the Americas and down into South America. And we, we are finding now that we're actually doing, you know, there may have been interactions and 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 voyages and exploration and way past like polynesian boats i mean well you're exactly. showing me here it's called polynesian triangle and what that means is, is again people from hawaii and and other uh, islands yeah. kind of in the south pacific yeah. they're finding kind of artifacts in south america yeah, right so that's they're right. thinking that they, they actually they yeah. actually traverse that big old ocean without any compasses and without any of that just yeah. by feeling the ocean and watching the stars yeah. knowledge deep connection with the with the land right yeah um, and we can look at contemporary fictional stories that are taking some historical um, um, some historical meaning and giving an artistic rendering like Wakanda, right? Yeah. Black Panther's a movie that's a billion dollars grossing right now. More than a billion dollars is taking off. So, you know, we, we know that when you connect people's identity, you give new stories that are, that are about, about empowerment and franchisement. That, that it can be successful. And so, you know, yeah. we look at Wakanda and, and that example, and we can look at the examples in, in you know, Mesoamerican or South American or Native American uh, cultures. We've been engineering floating cities for a long time, right? So in Lake Titicaca, there's actual floating islands that are built by people, and they float and they build their, they build their, their homes on them. Um, we've engineered our cities into the earth, right? Ancient civilizations built with precision yeah. um, into the sky. Um, so engineering is part of our uh, heritage. Yeah, yeah, uh, science is part of our heritage. Yeah. And, and this is a part of decolonization of engineering and science. And some things we've forgot. So there's a site in Mississippi, in the Mississippi River Basin. Um, they call it Cahokia Mounds. Um, I didn't know about this, but it's a pyramid and a huge, huge structure in the United States. Um, uh, and now we're going into a place of consciousness where we're re reconnecting with some of that ancient uh, technology that was that's lost under jungles, for instance, in Guatemala. Some recent LIDAR studies have shown that there's 60,000 new structures that are under the jungle that actually supported orders of magnitude more people, tens to tens to 50, 50 million people supported, right? These yeah. are cities bigger than any of the European cities at the time, right? Yeah. These are these are places with more engineering and more science than any of the in the European cities at the time. Yeah. And you look at Tenochtitlan, this this painting by Diego Rivera of Tenochtitlan. We look at the engineering there and the massive scale of engineering water projects and causeways and aqueducts and just um, engineering walls to hold off water and to control um, the, way, the way the water uh, flows. Um, and then we come to the Chinampas. And the Chinampas are this engineering 
marvel. Uh, they they are a holistic system of agriculture. Um, today at UC Santa Cruz, it's called agroecology, um, but it's an and and you know there's people <laughs> taking credit for it, but yeah, um, this is an ancient system of agriculture that if you don't put engineering and science into this, it goes back to the natural state, which is a lake. Yeah. So so the natural state is is a lake, but our our ancestors they engineered this they they did the science they did science and did the scientific method and engineered a system that um that works in unison and symbiosis to provide enough food to to feed millions of people yeah um so we're connecting with that we're connecting with our with our past and realizing that we are bioengineers actually we've been engineering biology um for thousands of years mostly mesoamerican women uh we look at corn and it's engineering across the the across Mexico over time, and for every region in Mexico, you have a different corn that was engineered, selected over time. We we chose the traits. We saw the corn. It's a grass. Yeah, corn is a grass, and we engineered it over time. That's what we did. We engineered. We did that, um, and we selected all kinds of different colors and sizes, and we got good at it. And we did it when we needed it to. When we when we needed to make a new a new a new strain, we made a new strain. We engineered that. So we've been engineering living matter uh, for a long time. Bioengineering is part of our heritage. It's well, part of our, our history. Using the, the ash and the lime to to extract more nutrients. So what is it? Nixtamalización or yeah, the like milpa, that? you know, all those using, again, systems. And again, it's weird be, because, again, we're taught the traditional again, European scientific method. That's right. So, so again, our ancestors came to the same results they they just again they lost to history well better results i would argue you know yeah yeah because uh, when the when the europeans arrived here you know the first open source technology i like to say in the americas was actually corn because when their europeans arrived here um we showed them how to grow corn yeah right and we showed them uh, uh how to how to how to sustain on that uh yeah. the, the the crops that we grew here yeah, openly open source and trade right um so well, I, you're absolutely right i i like that you use those terms in that way because yeah it shows how everything is connected and how again we use words to divide us a lot you know and to be like oh these guys are scientists and these guys are just indians that threw water on dirt you know yeah. it's like no they're yeah. both scientists yeah that's right you know that's it, it, it's just terminology. That's know? right. Like, anyway, yeah, I love that you're using those words interchangeably like that because they are the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And what's even more, what's what's so apparent or more more potent today is that um, we're moving into an era, uh, especially in the fields and the, the circles that I that I mix with in like Silicon Valley and all these, you know, the VC types of Sand Hill. Um, they we're moving into an era of uh, of technology and technocrats that are technoculture that is um, uh, um, trying to do things that and, and, and envision things that have been done by our, our cultures, living more holistically, organic farming, um, things like uh, farm-to-table, cradle-to-cradle practices, and using everything, and there's no waste, and there's all these new terms that people are coming up with, yeah. but they're practices that that we've lost the knowledge and we we can gain regain some but I, my argument here is that is there's all this growth and specifically the biotech economy is growing exponentially right now it's still new you can get in and create capital and wealth to really change power structures right yeah. and really redo what was uh, um, marginalization and, and disenfranchisement in the in the past um and 
we can do it in such a way that is that that, that provides people with a, a, a reconnection with any kind of identity that they're looking that they might search for or they might they might um, uh, yearn for right and they might be missing um, I, I know I can't speak for everyone but I mean for me when before I had started getting educated really education is so powerful right because before I was educated I was thinking that you know things were as they should be so when I was destined to go either be locked up or be in the military that's as it should be because like you know as America is America yeah. that should be you know everyone everyone is equal so if you're not there then it's by your own doing so you know that's that's you as it should be yeah. but it's not actually like that and so what I'm what, what we're trying to do is connect people with this opportunity biotech it's in your history it's in your it's in your culture people are moving towards that biotechnology is going to be the technology of the new century right yeah. um, bigger than computers bigger than than uh, uh well, as big as ai ai and biotechnology together it's going it, to it's going to generate a lot of wealth and capital um and so we get people enfranchised and we connect with them what is biotechnology it's making um, pharmaceutical drugs it's making beer and wine and um it's taking methane gas and pumping it into bioreactors with bacteria that eat the methane and then form it into protein so you can feed it to cows or feed it to humans as an alternative protein source, sustainable protein source. Or, or, or it's growing agriculture and industrial scale, artificial, uh, intelligent greenhouses that are roboticized like they do in the Netherlands or like we do here in Salinas Valley. We, we've got the technology, the infrastructure for, for this, and we've been doing it for a long time. And, you know, I don't have to tell you the stats on Salinas yeah. Valley. It's like we got a high concentration of ag jobs here. There's tons of money, right? Eight, yeah. eight, more than $8 billion a year in agricultural-related product. 31% of the population in Salinas is thirty-one is 18 years or, or, young, or, or younger. Yeah. Um, so so what, that's right. So what do we do? We have all that talent. We're trying to connect people trying to enfranchise the community for self-determination, for self-reliance. Um, we're trying to promote literacy So in biotechnology. Uh, so we make a community laboratory. Anybody can go there, uh, regardless of uh, authorized status, regardless of education, regardless of background, regardless of criminal background. You know, if you come here to this community laboratory, you're going to be able to learn the skills to run some laboratory equipment and learn the skills, learn about whatever you want to learn about and be empowered to go and make something and go do something, go explore on your own terms, on your own, on your own, um, on your own volition. Um, and it's a biotech incubator. So we're, we're, we're emphasizing this is about um, capital and wealth generation and disenfranchised communities as well as um, in the community at large. So we want to make sure that people are closing the loop, right? You can send people to school and we do it today. We have Hartnell students that go and learn CSN3. It's a great program. They learn computer science, but then they all go to work in Silicon Valley, you know? So we need to keep some of that talent here. We need to build some of that talent pool here as we're also enfranchising new people, right? Um, And we have an exploratorium, like an art gallery. So we're sitting in the Steinbeck Center. And it's great. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. I think we need another one. I think we need a place where people can get their hands on, like, science equipment and science. Like, you know, we, we want to propose a location like the theater downtown right here, yeah. Old Town, where people are walking down with their families on Sunday at the farmer's market. And then all of a sudden they just want to stop into the to the exploratorium, the museum, you know, get yeah. their hands on some science some science experiments and some engineering things and the the exploratorium the 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 location would have a cafe a retail 
where in the cafe, say upstairs, we're growing lettuce in the vertical farm systems that we're building and teaching kids how to program. We're going to sell it to you in the salads downstairs in the cafe. So you know, yeah. hey, this is what the technology is bringing me. It's bringing me fresh produce. It's literally like working. It's I'm actually working. It. I'm eating yeah. it. It's right. We're going to take the coffee grounds from the coffee shop and take them upstairs and grow them with some mushroom materials and make a make a textile out of them and maybe make some mushroom leather hats and sell them in the retail space. We'll work with community partners to come in and, you know, people have a cafe or retail they want to put into there, we'll work with people to do it. Um, we'll have a civic center so people can come in and discuss what are GMOs? Should we be eating them? What does bioengineering mean? What does it mean to be bioengineering in the future? What does that mean for our economy? How does that square with H21A visas, immigrant immigrant workers, things like that? So a space of community engagement. Yeah. You know, it's, we have these spaces; they exist. Um, we need to revitalize the ones that exist and make new ones that are bringing together um, new things, like an exploratorium or art gallery. Uh, we make a co-working space. A space where different professionals, psychologists, designers, social scientists and engineers, technologists can work together to come up and solve local solutions, community problems, develop nano grids for micro or nano micro grids for energy, you know, production in the community, um, urban farms and, and, and gardens and, and parts of the parts of East Salinas that are basically food deserts, yeah. you know, um, so things like that, you have a maker space with all the latest 3D printers, all the cutting edge stuff that you would find at the best, like, you know, Google at Google X, like company, right? Yeah. And then a community laboratory where you have all the stuff you need to do anything you want with that's safe and legal with biology, right? Yeah. Um, and give people the tools. This is about giving you the tools. We can send you to school and put you in a lecture hall. That's fine. We want to do that, too. But we also need a space where people can actually get their hands on things and do things. Yeah. So, we, yeah, I've been running around talking to people about this. We're looking at, like, phase one, we want to raise, like, $10 million. Phase two, we want to raise $100 million. We actually want to start a venture capital. And this is not, when I say we, I'm talking about, you know, folks from different nonprofit here organizations in Salinas. Um, yeah. Some also, you know, um, private entities that are that are philanthropic. And um, we want to, we want to, I think, you know, what we want to move to is a, a venture capital firm that's exclusively investing in people that are, from marginalized communities, right? Yeah. And getting people that are leaders, that are business owners, um, that are from these communities, because then that helps to build the, the wealth over time. For this nonprofit in particular, you know, we work with private companies. They can rent space in the wet labs. We can have technicians or contractors that are contracting work. Um, and then a nonprofit would gain membership fees. So anybody that wants to come in and become a member of the lab, anybody right can do it you just apply you pay a membership fee you want to take a class we'll teach you a class and be taught by the best professionals for, uh, um, and local people that are being developed here and as well as uh, academic institutions in the region uh, you take a class and you and you and you pay for the class um, you know we're looking at partners all the all the institutions in the area the ag, ag, ag people um, um, and you know, we, we went around, we just wanted to get an idea of, like, if people know about biotechnology in the area, and overwhelmingly, no, people don't know, people don't know what it means, and people don't know about it, so we asked them if they would, uh, people would use the space like this, and um, of the small sample so far that we've taken, it's like, people would use the space, and so we're really excited about it, um, and it's an opportunity to bring together a lot of different intersecting um, 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 intersecting um, um, pieces and, and build something that's hopefully long lasting. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's a great idea and it, it is very ambitious but it, it's 
We have a, a program locally here that is really small, that has a giant impact, and it's Monterey Bay Aquarium. Yep. Ultimately, for an organization, really a pretty small organization, but they're doing a half a billion dollars worth yeah. of research in Monterey Bay. Yeah. Planet Earth 2 was pretty much 80% done. Any of the ocean stuff that you see on this BBC, all this, yeah. it's all done here. That's right. And, and, and it's, what, $200 or something to be a member of of the aquarium so with just these $200 memberships yeah they're able to to fund a half a billion dollars worth of research so again in, in Salinas there are thousands of businesses yeah. you know there are thousands of individuals and $200 a year yeah. you know to be a, a part of this it really amplifies your $200 and I, I don't know I, I think that it's it's great and like when you say where you wonder people, you know, cast if people would use it and all that. It's, I mean, I'm downtown all the time, and I've had questions of 3D printers. You know, of how simple are they to use, or how does it, how does it come together? But I'm not gonna go out and spend 600 bucks just because I, I, I'm curious. Yeah. You know, but if this, if I was a member of this thing, I'd, I'd live a half a mile away. You know, I'd just yeah. hop on my bike and go over there. Play with play with the 3D printer, and the great thing about that space is like, well, I just played with the 3D printer or something, and that was cool. But there's this other guy work, working on this project, and he needs help with marketing or something. Like, hey, well, yeah. I do a bit of exactly. marketing, you know. So when you get pe different people just mixing in that place, again, it's not like you're you're not gonna, we're not going to produce engineers out of that place like crazy, but you, you, connections are going to be made, and mm -hmm. those connections are huge. And again, and. When you were talking about the terminology, the, the, the words, it's, um, and again, taking that, that power back, um, again, GMOs is such a, it's, it's a politicized term, mm -hmm. you know, and being in Salinas Valley, a lot of, a lot of people like oh, GMOs, they see them as that they're taking the jobs that my parents got here that allowed me to be me. Mm -hmm. So they kind of see it as an attack mm -hmm. on them. Yeah. But it's like, whoa! What you're you're really you're really belittling yourself yep. and your culture. We are, like you said, we are the original genetic engineers. That's not right. Just us, but uh, humans, that, yeah, you know. Yeah. But we have specifically us, man. Like we well, yeah, we, we gave the world corn, man. I mean, there's rice, corn, there's beans. I mean, we we did we yeah. did beans as well, you yeah, know. So yeah. beans and corn are, are giant staple crops, and yeah, so. But again, I don't want to. No, absolutely, none, none better than other. We're all good. Yeah, yeah, we, we all contributed, but but we also, you know, uh, the Mayans they weren't just looking at stars; they were astronomers. Yeah, they were astronomers like, like Galileo or, or right. whoever, Neil deGrasse Tyson or whatever. You you can you know, we're used to viewing them as in their loincloths, just like, well, maybe if I build my pyramid this way, so yeah. you know, something will happen with rain. It's like, no, man, we need we. That's how we view our own ancestors. We need to get over that. Yep. These were some of the most cutting-edge scientific minds of their time. And to this day, a lot of what they do is is still used. And like you said, they just kind of repackage it. I, I, there's a, I go to the farmer's market almost every Saturday here downtown, and there's a lady from Oaxaca. Mm -hmm. And uh, who sells her stuff, and she just loves to talk about food, and she's like... She just tell yeah, you get this squash and you chop it up and you throw it in the oven and you this and that. And she's like, you don't even need meat. <laughs> and it, that got me to thinking. Yeah. I was like, dude, Mexicans, you know, the, not just Mexicans, but the, the whole Central America, South America as well. 
there's not there wasn't giant game you know there's capybaras yeah. and some you know yeah. the little other little warthog looking things but they're turkeys you know that's all there is around here so mexicans have been vegan just because you know that's why we have beans you know like yeah. we had to get our protein some other way because we didn't have fucking cows or yep. horses or these giant game that that existed in other parts of the world so though so i it's so weird how the 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 what the stereotype or the generalization is oh mexican food is just greasy fast food it just, it just gets you fat and all that yeah. and i was like no the the europeanization yeah of mexican food yeah. yeah you know when you brought over pigs that had lard and all this, like yeah. we didn't cook with there was no oil there, yeah. there was no animal so, so anyway it, it, i find it interesting that the the Mexicans are not seen as, as cutting edge chefs yeah. or, or in this industry, you know, and no disrespect to to was it Rick Bayless who, who's you know really popular or really famous chef of Mexican cuisine, but he's white and yeah. you know, people give him a lot of shit for that. But at the same time, it's like, well, what the fuck, what are we doing? Yeah. What are what are we doing? Why aren't we saying like, what the fuck? What do you mean vegan? I'm, I'm not vegan. I'm yeah. Mexican. Yeah, yeah. This is how we yeah, exactly. it's, yeah. it's just like. So anyway, I love that again. That that you are not only you're, you're pushing for this change and and you're doing these things. Again, bioengineering is is unfortunately so rare in in our in our culture. Um, but you're you're coming at, at a way of like you're not like this educational elitist, you know, of like oh man, you won't understand this stuff, bro. Like you know, it's DNA things. You know, you're you're like nah, dude. What are you talking about? We've been doing this forever. You just gotta understand it. Yeah. And I think that's huge. There's just there's and, and again, cause we'll I I mean, I'm trying to trying to figure out how to frame this, but like I you know we all knew friends that grew wheat, you know, and. I'd still talk to some. Well, not still. Like, like I'm. Oh, you grow weed. I don't. <laughs> weed, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is what it is. But are you talking to these, these are chemists? Yeah, you know. Yeah. That's I'm right. over here trying to grow my peppers and stuff, and I'm. Oh, yeah. My fucking leaves look like that. They look at it. Oh man, you gotta get some nitrogen. Like, yeah, yeah. And they're telling you all these formulas and all that, and it's like, bro, you, you're a chemist. You know that, right? Like, what you're doing is chemistry. Like, oh man, I just grow plants. You know, yeah, yeah, it's like. Yeah. Why? Why? Why do you see yourself like no? You are as much of a chemist as some dude in Dupont making the quarter million dollars a year. You know, like you're you're that same person. You just don't have the lab coat and and the job. Or yeah. yeah. So anyway, I that that's what you're doing is so great, and that's why I really wanted to get you on the show is to show people that because like. I'm all like rah rah, yeah. This guy's pretty <laughs> badass, you know. But to hear appreciate the appreciate that, man, is really interesting. Appreciate but, um, that. But yeah, so anyway, I keep us updated as to how you know this goes, and however we can help, of course. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You, you've been on here now, and, and again, anyone listening that might want to help, you know, message us, of course, and, and we'll we'll find a way to to connect you here with Rolando, and and yeah, and we'll. So what we gotta do? You know, yeah, you yeah, actually, yeah. If I if I could give it a shameless plug, we're gonna do a thing at the Salinas Valley Ag Tech Summit, the fifth annual Ag Tech Summit on uh, March twenty eighth uh, at four o'clock. We'll be in room um, S one thirty in Building S of Harno uh, Community College. Uh, that's a lot, all, all day event there. We're gonna I'll be on a panel at eleven talking about community biotechnology, how it's the future. How other schools like MIT and Stanford are pushing on community biotechnology, making biotechnology comments. And then uh, we're going to give a pitch, try to fund this nonprofit 
uh, at the pitch session, and then at four o'clock we're going to have an open forum. It's all free to the public, so yeah. come in and just let's just talk about what biotechnology is, how it can impact, and why we think that we should be pressing on that in our community extra strong. Hell yeah, come! I mean, it's free. It's a, those are great events to come out to. They're free. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm going to see if I can wrangle some other people here to talk to. But yeah. thanks again, and we we got to keep talking and, and keep this going. But yeah, yeah, Rolando again. Thank you very Thank, much. Thanks, yeah. All right. Happy to be here.